Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Ego Lab podcast. My name is Tony. And I'm Brian. And today we are going to be talking a little bit about failure. In today's episode, we discussed letting go of the stigma associated with failure, why it's important to separate failures from your identity, how to create a personal society with the people who share your values, finding silver linings in every challenge, and the benefits of having an accountability buddy. And remember, we're all just primates doing our best. Brian, why don't we talk a little bit about the stigma around failure and some of the effects that that can have on people? Yeah, I think we got to be careful when we just throw the word failure around because it has this negative connotation uh, when in reality, we can reframe that so easily, take that stigma away, and there's a whole lot of value. Anytime we can go through life and feel like we've accomplished something, a lot of times along the way, a lot of that learning and growth comes from what we might see as failure at the outset when we look back at some of the best parts of the journey. Yeah, I'm totally with you. Failure has this huge negative stigma. And I think in general, a lot of people have this fear of being a failure. So what do you think this a failure represents to people? And what does it mean to be a failure? Yeah, we have a society that if you pick up any magazine or turn on TV for years, for decades now, it's just been the stars and all the flashing lights and celebrities and money and what goes along with, you know, what our society deems is success. When I think about what it means to be a failure for me, I think it means not living in line with the life I want to live. We've talked in previous episodes about how to pick values and goals and things like that. And if you asked me 10 years ago, that would have been a totally different answer. I would have maybe said, uh, it's a failure if I don't have X, Y, or Z accomplished, or if I don't own X, Y, or Z, or if the people around me don't look like X, Y, or Z. But now as time has gone on, the metrics that I use to evaluate my successes and failures are completely different. And that all comes as a result of what in the moment I might have considered a failure, but now looking back are those growth opportunities, but you can't, can't always piece that together in the moment. So it's kind of that overlap where you have feels like a failure, but could be what leads to one door closes and another door opens. Very true. I mean, there's a lot of benefits of failure that we will definitely touch more on later in the episode. I think it's important to consider and accept the stigma that exists around failure and society's expectations of success. Yeah, man. When we look at all these messages we're talking about is the stories in our head that come out and where did a lot of these stories come from? Well, they come from our society. If you walk down the street, you're going to see advertisements for all different kinds of things. And those are going to target your insecurities and make you want to feel a certain way. And the goal of marketing, you're a marketing guy, right? Like the goal is to create a need and then find a way to help somebody fill it with your product. Um, so we have the society now for uh, 50, 100 years where marketing is really ramped up and second by second, if you're on social media, there's a new ad or a new experience that comes along and that's shaping the stories in your head and the reality that you shape for yourself. When people are surrounded by these stories and all these advertisements and social media, you know, it's hard not to comparing mind this frame around you that's painting this picture of what your life should look like. And it's hard to focus on the benefits of that failure when you're looking around you at your society. Yeah, I think it's important as we start to peel back the layers here that we just see this idea of failure as a spectrum or, uh, you know, I love to go to the spectrums, right? Like everything we make so black and white and we take this concept of failure and it looks 
a certain way. And then we start to put gradations in there and it's not just, it's either yes or it's no, it's okay. Well, it's some kind of zero to a hundred. There are some things that you do that you'd want to peel back and be like, yep, there's not, I didn't learn much. And I definitely don't want to do that again. That's a terrible failure. And I, I learned from it and I'm moving on. There's no, no need to get into the nitty gritty. And there are things where you can reflect on, you can look back and say, ah, is it really, you know, I got that F in that class, but maybe that's a good thing because now I know it wasn't so much that the class was hard. It was just, I couldn't get interested in it. I couldn't find a way to connect all the learning. And maybe it's, I wasn't sure about this major and it's confirmed for me now that I'm going to move in another direction. So it's important to start to see that we can have different pieces of these things that come together. I don't like the idea of saying I have something like I have failed. I have anxiety, all these things. I prefer saying, okay, there is failure present or there's anxiety present or something like that, where you don't associate your self-worth or your self-identity with these moment-to-moment things, because in one moment you can experience this and the next moment it goes away and there's another experience present. So to continue to associate with these things, you know, I'm a failure, that says a lot about you. And are you a failure? Probably not. Did you experience some failure in the moment? Yes, we all do. And to be able to separate that, I'm a failure from I have experienced failure, there's failure present. That's something that for me has been a game changer, just shifting out of a perspective. I love that, Brian. That's a great point. And for the audience out there, I challenge you all to think of, of something. Think of something that makes you feel like a failure. Take a second and really consider, I know this could be a deep question and tough to confront, but take a second to think of something that makes you feel like a failure. And like Brian just said, take a moment to reframe it. Try and reframe that into something that's positive. Separate it from yourself. And ask yourself, how can I make this into something that's positive? I think it's important to not to get caught up on the idea of making everything a positive. There's a value in that. But it's also, it's okay to feel like crap sometimes. And I think in our society, it's either we want to help other people take away the pain or we want to make things better for other people so often. And we do the same for ourselves. When something doesn't feel good, we want to remove that pain immediately and we want to move past it as soon as possible. But I think there's a lot of value just accepting it. Like in the moment, this doesn't feel good. It's not something I want to experience again, but I'm also not, I don't need to blow right past it. That's very true. You definitely don't want to think that everything needs to be berries and rainbows. And But I do think that there's nothing you can do about the situation that you're in. So if you're in a situation that sucks and you feel like crap, say you're running a marathon, well, it's going to hurt. It's going to suck. But you can still think about the positives that come from the marathon. You know that after that marathon, you're going to feel amazing. You're going to feel proud of yourself and you're going to be pushing your limits. Even if you don't feel great all the time, always look for the silver lining, even if it sucks. So David Foster Wallace is an author and had this commencement speech at Kenyon College, but just talks about how he's supposed to go up there and make everything seem rosy and like this is the greatest of all things in the world and paint this picture. His advice is a little contrarian where he says, life's a grind and it takes work. That's a part of life, right? Like it, it isn't always like amazing in every second. And I think that's part of the reframing is, you know, there are moments where it's awesome and you can find joy in all those little moments and not get too bogged down by the failures or setbacks, live a little bit more of a balanced graceful life than always feeling like it has to be a 10 out of 10 at every moment. That's really funny to me. This is better bring up something a little bit existential, but I always find it really funny how 
like at the end of the day we're just kind of primates like walking around oh yeah we're doing random stuff trying to like and we're going against entropy <laughs> which is for the audience if you don't know what entropy is like the universe just goes in the the pattern of disorder and chaos slowly and I was going to tie this back somehow, but I completely forgot. Hey, you know, on that note, there's something I've been doing lately. And anytime I feel like I should be doing something else or I need to be accomplishing something in this moment, I think about if I was a human 3000 years ago, what would a successful day look like 2000 years, 1000 years ago? And it's so funny when you start comparing yourself as just a human being that just happened to be born in this time versus a human being happened to be born 2000 years ago it would have been farming for 12 hours or you know working in a blacksmith shop or working on a pair of shoes for 12 hours a day and here i am getting to sit down i come home from work and turn on netflix and like well okay like that that's pretty sweet like at the end of the day i might not write a book in my free time every couple weeks pop one out but it's okay like i get to there's something nice about living in the society today that is super fast-paced but you can enjoy some of the nice stuff too yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, I, that's really funny. Just sit down, you know, compare yourself to somebody 2000 years ago, you'd be like, smashing rocks together trying to make something. Uh, maybe not, but <laughs> you have to go a little, a little, bit a little back further back smashing rocks, <laughs> a little bit further back. Yeah. But um, yeah, but it's just funny, because like, what brings us satisfaction, I think is, I think like, as humans, we just like accomplishing things. I think it's easy to get caught up in your instant gratification, but I think at the end of the day, for some reason, we like accomplishing things and that, that brings us deeper satisfaction. Where do you think that comes from? Well, if I had to guess, that's probably some evolutionary advantage. The fact that if you're doing more things, getting things quote done, then you're more likely to survive. Interesting. Otherwise, if you're just sitting there doing nothing and you have no motivation to get things done, you're just going to probably die or starve. I thought of it as a little different. I keep going to the culture of feeling like we have to do things and accomplish. There's a difference between being busy and being productive. And a lot of times you can work a hundred hours a week on a million different things, wind up in the same spot that you started and somebody could work for five hours and really move the ball down the field or, you know, whatever the expression you want to use is. So I think when you're reflecting back on that, am I a failure? Go back to those values, go back to what you really want to accomplish and forget about what the number is of things you need to do or what you need to see in your bank account. Just circle back to what do you actually want to see happen in your life? It's your life. What, what do you want to see happen? And if it doesn't, sometimes you got to do stuff you don't want to do. But at the end of the day, if you're charting your course in the direction you want to go, you get to decide what's a success and a failure. And if you can build yourself up where you feel good about that, then, you know, you can start turning down the noise everywhere else and focusing on what matters. Can't say it enough times. Again, checking out our Destinations podcast could expound on that point a little bit more. If you're reaching for something big, if you have this vision, you just keep going until you get there. Every failure is just a lesson. It's just a road bump that gets you closer to achieving that vision. So I think that's something to keep that in mind, that there's a big picture that, you know, a part of the story, there's always a conflict. You know, you have to get through the conflicts and then eventually you get to the happy ending. Sure. And I think if we look at this experience of people's emotions over the last decade, two decades of the internet, 30, 40 years ago, you connected with people, you really shaped your society other than what you might have read in a newspaper. And now tech companies are controlling and modifying what's in front of your face based on algorithms and things like that. Your society really is your closest 15 or 
20, maybe 30 relationships. And there's this kind of idea of the general society and how the society is and what the society views and thinks. But society really is in your personal life, who you spend your time with, like your 30 closest relationships is society to you. It's what the people around you would say about you. It's what your interactions are like with the people around you. I think that's an interesting like kind of changes, can change your viewpoint a little bit on how intimidating society can be. So you do have to be deliberate. You talk about what it means to be a failure amongst my society, who you allow to be a part of your society, like you said, and to be cognizant of all the factors and all the inputs that you're you're getting that stuff. And yeah, it's, it's harder now than ever, I guess is my point to create that tight society and surround yourself with people given all the factors that have just popped up over the last two decades. Yeah, that's great. That's a great point. Really, I think for the listeners, I think you guys maybe want to consider if you have something that makes you feel like a failure in in whose eyes, in whose eyes are you a failure? Is it the society that you're perceiving? Is it is it compared to social media? Is it is your mom calling you a failure? You know, is it is it your closest friends? Is it your family? In whose eyes do you feel like a failure? That's definitely something you should consider because if it's if it's the people around you and you feel happy with your decisions, then maybe it's time to shift to people who might find what makes you happy also makes them happy, or you can, you can be happy in the society that you create for yourself. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's this great, great quote that's attributed to Mark Twain. It says, uh, I've lived through some terrible things in my life, some of which actually happened. <laughs> Again, we create these stories and all these experiences in our head. And most of them, you know, are all appear in our head and, um, having surrounded yourself with the right people and having that right perspective, that, that is the name of the game here with identifying failures or perspectives or anything like that. Yeah, so let's talk a little bit about accountability with failure. I mean, I think that this might actually be one of my, one point that I can relate to a lot. If you make the same mistakes over and over again, that's when it's insanity. I think that's Einstein, right? The definition of insanity is repeating the same behavior with expecting a different outcome. Yeah, exactly. So I think accountability is a great way to to help make sure that you get out of that rut. Just putting it out there. You're like, you know what? I sleep in every single day. I need to wake up at nine o'clock, but I always wake up at 930 and I'm late to class. Maybe, maybe you have a roommate or maybe you have a brother or maybe your mom or dad. You could say, hey, I'm waking up at this time every day. Just throw the water in my face and make sure that I'm up. It doesn't matter how late I went to bed, throw the water in my face, wake me up at nine o'clock and hold me accountable to what I say I'm going to do. And I think that's just one example. This can be used in a lot of ways. So let's say you want to be a happier person. If you go out and tell all your friends, from now on, I'm going to stop being as sad. I'm going to bring, I'm going to bring a little more energy to the group dynamic. And then maybe you come in and you know, you're feeling kind of slumpy. And your friends will be like, hey, what's up? Uh, I thought you were going to be more energetic lately. And I'll actually... What's up, Mopey Tony? <laughs> I'll actually give a personal example to this. I'm a super picky eater. I don't like trying foods. Ever since I was little, I didn't like trying new foods. And recently, I was like, I told my brother, I said, I, from now on, I, I eat everything. I was like, I eat anything. I, I don't care what it is. I'll eat anything. And ever since, my brother would, every time there's some weird food or something, he's like, hey, I, I thought you eat everything, Tony. 
And ever since I've started trying like all this weird food because I just said it and he's, he's calling me out on it. And I guess I'm too proud to not actually do it. So I do. And I think that's, that's just one funny example of how I ended up eating like the calamari tails or whatever. I don't know. <laughs> calamari fins. I think you got two pieces there that we've already talked about that are huge. One is the idea of accountability partners. And then the other is the idea of your identity, right? You were very specific in what you said at first of now I'm somebody who eats everything and you've changed your identity where before you associated Tony as the type of guy who does X. And now in your mind, the program or the story is now Tony is the type of guy who does Y. And that goes a long way. Yeah, it really does. I think that this is something you can just change. I think you can really just shift who you are or who you would like to be. And I know, Brian, you're a huge fan of writing down your values, you know? Who who would you who do you want to be? Like who is your ideal person? If you want to be generous, let's say, well, hold yourself accountable to it. You know, the next time you go to the store, be generous, you know, give a couple extra dollars when you buy something. Give a nice extra tip when you're tipping and then eventually you'll you know, believe yourself to be generous and be more generous. And then that's something you could actually put into fruition just by holding yourself accountable to that. Yeah, there's a lot of great tools out there. When you talk about writing things down, you can just go on Amazon and type in, you know, guided journals, and you'll find a million different things that'll help you with these experiences, either day to day, or it'll just be a workbook. You can literally change some of the ways you think about things from mental health professionals, from people who just have experience in coaching, whatever it might be. Um, and they write these books and you can go and you can take it from start to finish and just have this experience of going through and changing the way you look at the world. Yeah. I mean, we also do have worksheets coming soon to the Eagle Lab website. Okay, Brian, shifting directions one more time here. Is failing in public different from failing in private? Definitely. For most people, failing in public is different than failing in private, for sure. As social creatures, you talked before about, you know, we're all just apes walking around here. The idea of being in a tribe, being in a community, what does it mean? Where Where's my status here? If I fail, does that drop me down in the tribe? Yeah, anytime that you fail in front of a group, it's, it's going to be a different dynamic. You're going to have different factors in, in play there, for sure. I think if you're maybe on a team, taking a risk in public might be different or compare that to being on your own and taking a risk. That could be a totally different dynamic if there's an audience there to kind of witness the result. Yeah, I think this ties in well with accountability. If you're in public, there's a lot more accountability for your actions. More people to view it. Let's say you make a big mistake in public, you could lose your job. Who knows? It's a possibility. In private, there's no accountability. So maybe there's no consequences. Maybe you just justify it in your mind. It's like, ah, oh, you know, one more piece of cake. I, I had a good exercise today. I worked out. I deserve it. Versus maybe in public, you wouldn't want to eat that cake because you're afraid of what people would think of you. There's more accountability with more people and less when you're by yourself. Is there a way to find a balance there, Brian? Yeah, I think you got to decouple the two different pieces there, right? There's a social piece, and then there's the actual what you're trying to accomplish piece. And if you can decouple the idea of the reactions after, right, you can take those in two separate things. I'm going to try whatever it might be, and I'm going to evaluate whether that was a success or a failure in my book. And then there's the reaction that comes from the crowd after, and then I'm going to evaluate how I feel about that after. Could you expand a little bit? on decoupling the process 
and the reaction? Yeah, it's decoupling the actual event from the reaction. Okay. So if I wanted to create a podcast, we could say, have we sat down? Have we created a podcast? Yes. And then we can talk about the reaction publicly or within our groups of friends. You know, are we getting, is everyone saying, oh, you're doing a great job. Keep it up. Or, you know, all these things or all these messages, whatever it might be. That's just completely different from, do we feel like as we sit here and record this, that we're pursuing what we want to pursue? All right, Tony, let's finish up here. Why don't you give me one tool that you use when you think about failure? All right. I think that my number one tool is going to be finding an accountability buddy who's going to help you stay accountable to what you're looking to achieve and call you out when you make quote unquote mistakes. Love it. Love it. My tool is going to be the comfort zone challenge. I'm going to encourage everyone to just push their comfort zone try something with the expectation that you might fail. So instead of going into it that I need to succeed in whatever I'm going to do, try to switch it up. Try to say, I'm just going to go into this. Failure is almost more likely than success, but I'm still going to go for it anyway. And the more times you do that, the more desensitized you'll get to failure. You'll change the perspective and eventually you'll have more wins than losses, hopefully. I love it. I'm actually going to try that, Brian. I love that tip. I will use it and I will let you know how it goes. Can't wait to hear. All right, let's hit the recap. In today's episode, we discussed letting go of the stigma associated with failure, why it's important to separate failures from your identity, how to create a personal society with the people who share your values, finding silver linings in every challenge, and the benefits of having an accountability buddy. And remember, we're all just primates doing our best. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in today. If you made it this far, we love you. Can't wait to see you in the next episode. Before you go, make sure to check out our top book recommendations, guided worksheets, and reflective questions on egolab.us. You can also find us on all social at Egolab Podcast. We encourage you to reach out and join the conversation. If you find some value in any of these resources that we spent hours building for you, a five-star review for this podcast would be much appreciated. See you all on the next one.